You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Tortoise Shell is trolling for military veterans. There's been a fresh fancy bear sighting. The transcript of a conversation between the U.S. and Ukrainian presidents has been released. Citizen Lab warns that poison carp is actively working against Tibetan groups. A zero-day afflicting V-Bulletin forum software is out. Gandcrab comes out of retirement. And there's an odd spam campaign in circulation that looks like phishing, but seems not to be. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, September 25th, 2019. Cisco's Talos Intelligence Unit has blogged a contribution to discussion of the tortoise shell threat actor that Symantec described last week. Symantec outlined the ways in which tortoise shell had sought to insinuate itself into the supply chain by hitting IT providers in the Middle East, especially in Saudi Arabia. The Symantec report noted circumstantial similarities between tortoise shell's code and the Iranian threat actor APT-34, also known as oil rig. But they were quick to point out that this counted for next to nothing in terms of attribution, since that code has been blown and publicly available to anyone for months. Yesterday, Talos blogged that Tortoise Shell is believed to be behind a bogus job site designed to attract U.S. military veterans and others who may wish to support them in their search for employment. Those who visit the site are liable to infection with malware that has both reconnaissance and remote access functionality. The reconnaissance malware has the internal name Lidertz and retrieves information about the victim system, including information that could identify whether the malware is running in a sandbox. The rat is called IvizTech, and it does what such rats do. Talos agrees with Symantec that the operators behind Tortoiseshell show poor OPSEC, but they think that in this case they may make up in volume what they lose through carelessness. Lots of people like veterans— and are happy to help them find jobs, after all, and the URL of the malicious site is close enough to that of a legitimate U.S. Commerce Department site so that it might deceive the unwary. A note on circumstantial attribution, Liderts is the name of a malign creature from Hungarian folklore that typically manifests itself as a bird. What does this mean for attribution? Not much. The hacker world isn't terribly sensitive about cultural appropriation. Fancy Bear has returned to a familiar foraging ground and with a familiar tool. The group has resumed its use of the ZebroC toolkit 
against embassies and foreign ministries in Eastern Europe and the Middle East. ESET, which says this renewed activity dates to late August, also notes that Zebrasi's suite of downloaders, droppers, and backdoors has shown some evolution into marginally more effective forms. Like all threat groups, Fancy Bear goes by many names. It's also known as Sednet, Sophacy, Group 74, Strontium, and APT-28. But if you're keeping score at home, Russia's GRU Military Intelligence Service is always the man behind the curtain. The group's interests in this case lie in espionage. Speaking of Fancy Bear, recall that the group came to prominence in the wake of its intrusion into the U.S. Democratic National Committee, unmasked in 2016. The company the DNC called in to investigate was CrowdStrike, which seems to be why CrowdStrike is mentioned in the transcript of a phone conversation between U.S. President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky that the White House released to assuage the curiosity of Congress. President Trump appears to ask his counterpart in Kiev for assistance in investigating either Fancy Bear's incursion or the content of what Fancy Bear found. Expect to hear more about the transcript and CrowdStrike as the U.S. House chews the matter over in coming weeks. It's common to hear security folks say something along the lines of, it's not a matter of if you get breached, it's a matter of when. But once someone gets in, how do you slow them down and keep them from having run of the place, jumping from one system to the next? Tim Keeler is CEO and founder of Remediant, a company that offers privileged access management. With lateral movement, that's when you establish a, a single system as uh, as your kind of your starting base, your foothold, and then you know based from there, you take whatever you can get off of that machine that helps you move to other systems on the network. And you know it's kind of the initial starting point for an attacker, but ultimately they have some objective, whether it be intellectual property or customer data or financial motivations. That's kind of the ground zero, and lateral movement allows them to, you know, move to other systems that get some access to that data. So is the notion here that there may be, uh, I don't know, perhaps lower-level people within a company whose systems might not be as fortified as, say, the CEOs, for example, and so it might be easier to get in via their machine and then move on from there? Oh, without a doubt. And, and I think this is why we see, you know, spear phishing or phishing campaigns um, being so successful among attackers. You know, the technical sophistication is extremely low, but it's like, let's just, you know, blast this out to a large organization. And you always are, are guaranteed some percentage of success. And that really establishes your, your initial foothold uh, from an attacker's perspective. And so how much of organizations' defenses these days are set up to protect against this is it? I, I think people have this image in their mind of you know the castle walls or the moat around the, the castle and trying to keep people out that way. But it sounds like with with lateral movement, they're already inside the castle. Yeah, it, it absolutely is true. And I think one of the the biggest shifts in cybersecurity is you know you know kind of rewind the clock twenty years. Everyone was focused on protecting the firewall and protecting the network. Very rarely did you see anyone uh, you know figuring out how to protect the human. And now there's been this you know mad scramble, and that's probably one of the most challenging aspects of, of cybersecurity is you know protecting the human and preventing them from going into a malicious web page or clicking on a link that installs some malware. And you know I think we found that it's just extremely difficult to do. We also wanted to chat about uh, what happened back in 2017 with NotPetya. I mean, that's a, a prime example of this as well, yes? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and this one was was very unique because obviously, you know, it came from, you know, a nation state actor and, you know, kind of overstepped its boundaries in terms of what it was targeting. But the kind of the real interesting aspect of this was, you know, this is the first piece of malware that had some very sophisticated credential harvesting. And it was it's one thing to leverage a, a zero day exploit to infiltrate systems. But then when you take that in addition to, hey, I want to see what credentials are exposed on the system, harvest those, and then use those credentials to then propagate the, the virus and malware even further. That was just kind of a level of, you know, of attack that changed techniques all around. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this as the, the next generation of malware. And so what are your recommendations in terms of people protecting themselves against this? You know, the uh, kind of the key one with NotPetya was, you know, the credential harvesting aspect. Um, the first thing it did was target credentials that had administrative uh, privilege, whether it was on that system or on other systems. And then it was, you know, very intelligent where it would start going, um, you know, to other systems on the network using those credentials to see, hey, what's the scope of admin privilege here? And that's where it was able to spread so, so quickly. It really boils down to understanding who has administrative privileges, whether it is on servers and more importantly, in this case, workstations. But then, you know, really instilling some of the principles of least privilege and zero trust we've been talking about in the industry for so long. Let's, you know, let's try to reduce and remove and, you know, and take away the mitigation uh, of admin credentials. That's Tim Keeler from Remediant. The University of Toronto's Citizen Lab describes a campaign directed against Tibetan groups by a threat actor the lab calls Poison Carp. Citizen Lab says, quote, Between November 2018 and May 2019, senior members of Tibetan groups received malicious links in individually tailored WhatsApp text exchanges with operators posing as NGO workers, journalists, and other fake personas. The links in the messages led to the installation of exploits in the target's mobile devices. A successor to GhostNet, the campaign has used a suite of Android and iOS exploits. Its typical infection vector continues to be social engineering, which Citizen Lab calls clever. Its one-click installation of mobile exploits is new to the Tibetan targets, who have become aware of and suspicious toward better-known phishing attempts, like the classic malicious email attachments. Reuters observes that this appears to be the same threat actor that's been active against China's predominantly Muslim Uyghur minority, the Tibetan diaspora, has represented an irritant to Beijing since China reoccupied the country in 1950 after 37 years of independence. An anonymous researcher has published a zero-day affecting the widely used vBulletin web forum software. ZDNet says the vulnerability is a pre-authentication remote code execution bug. It's unclear whether the posting was done with malign intent or simply amounted to a bungled disclosure, but it does suggest that organizations using vBulletin should look to their defenses. Few will be surprised to hear that the Gandcrab gang has returned from retirement. SecureWorks reports that the group has reassembled itself and is responsible for attacks using R-Evil ransomware, also known as Soda no Kibi. Gandcrab at the end of May announced its retirement on the hacking forum it had used since 2017. The announcement amounted to a kind of virtual sack dance, We successfully cashed this money and legalized it in various spheres of white business, both in real life and on the Internet, the extortionists crowed, and then added, We are leaving for a well-deserved retirement. We have proved that by doing evil deeds, retribution does not come. 
They seem to have spent less than three months in that active senior community they were heading for. Perhaps the black market's 401k wasn't up to expectations. At any rate, they're back and back doing the same kinds of things. To their proof that retribution does not come, one must add, yet, there are plenty of law enforcement agencies eager to offer hospitality to Gand Crab. Whatever name they're operating with, it seems to be the same old crew. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's the Program Director for Public Policy and External Affairs at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, always great to have you back. Um, We had a story come by today. This is uh, from the Washington Post. This is their Cybersecurity 202 section. And it's written by Joseph Marks. It's titled, White House Blocking Congress from Auditing Its Offensive Hacking Strategy. Take us through uh, what's going on here. So about a year ago, the White House developed an offensive hacking strategy to go after our adversaries like Russia and Iran, basically in case they attack our cybersecurity, our computer systems. It's a way of using offensive hacking strategies as a military weapon. So we have defensive capabilities and offensive capabilities. Generally, these strategies would be given to the relevant uh, congressional committees of jurisdiction. But uh, the chairs and ranking members of those committees claim that they have not been able to get access to these policies and therefore have not been able to perform oversight. Uh, Hmm. So the controversy at this point is that the chairman of the relevant House subcommittee has said they have not seen the policy. Uh, There's frustration on uh, both the Republican and Democratic side that they're not able to evaluate the strategy, provide uh, congressional oversight, uh, and perhaps offer uh, the White House some guidance as to uh, how to conduct this policy. 
Now, take me through some of the background here. I mean, we're talking about uh, co-equal branches of government. We're talking about um, you know Congress's ability to declare war, and and how does that venture into cyber war or not? What, 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 there's a lot uh, a lot in play here. Yeah. So Congress, according to our Constitution, does have the sole power to declare war. That's become a bit of a murky power in the last half century or so. As a matter of fact, the last declared war was World War II. Hmm. Um, oftentimes, we've had these mini war declarations. Of course, most recently, the authorization for the use of military force in 2001, which justified uh, the war in Afghanistan and um, general uh, military operations relating to the war on terror. And it's sort of been used as a catch-all justification for all other types of counterterrorism uh, military strategy. Uh, when it comes to cybersecurity, we haven't really come up with a legal framework uh, in terms of thinking about it the way we look at traditional war powers. Congress, of course, has not declared uh, a war, uh, cyber or otherwise, on, on either of these countries. But generally, the president has Article Two authority as commander-in-chief to protect the defenses of the United States. And I think both uh, parties on Capitol Hill will agree that that would encompass using offensive hacking strategies in case our cyber systems uh, are attacked. I don't really think that's a, a matter of, of controversy in this dispute. I think the issue is their ability to provide guidance and oversight. Now, the White House will say this is classified material. Um, we're afraid of leaks. And I think those concerns are, are very valid. But we have processes in place so that members of Congress can get access to these classified briefings in a classified setting. Um, so for the most classified uh, material, it usually goes through what's called the Gang of Eight which is the leadership of each House of Congress and the leadership of the relevant committees. Um, so the Senate Intelligence Committee and the House Select Committee on Intelligence. Um, but for something like this that I, I, I don't anticipate would be uh, at the level of, of needing to go to the Gang of Eight, I think the subcommittees uh, of jurisdiction, which are mentioned in this article, the House Armed Services Committee Cybersecurity Subcommittee uh, being first and foremost, I think it would be customary for those committee members to get access to this classified information. Uh, and I think that's the source of the concern and the frustration. Does Congress have uh, any ability to force the White House's hand here? So the one avenue they do have, of course, is attaching a rider to a must-pass Department of Defense policy bill, so the Defense Authorization Act. That bill uh, authorizes all types of uh, defense programs annually. A version of the Defense Author Authorization Act has passed both uh, houses of Congress, and they are currently reconciling their differences. What some members of the House have, have suggested is that there needs to be a provision attached to that bill mandating the release of uh, this offensive hacking strategy to the relevant congressional committees. If the Trump administration stuck to their guns, that could, of course, cause a standoff. They might say, we're not going to approve this defense authorization bill if it includes this rider that we have to release offensive hacking strategies. You know, will they torpedo a defense policy bill, which is generally supported by a majority of members of both political parties? Uh, have my doubts about that. But, you know, it's certainly something that's now going to be part of negotiations uh, on that must-pass piece of legislation. Hmm. All right. Well, Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Thank you.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Vaughn, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.